Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Coming from the end zone, he throws, and it's a flash away, and it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former Giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips the defender, Ball. the football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can hear me on Radio.com and various terrestrial intercom stations across the country. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buecher. He is Will Blackman, NFL vet. Super Bowl champ. You can see him on FS1. You can hear him on Fox Radio. And you can follow him both at Will Blackman on Twitter and the NFL Wine Guy, where he's getting national attention on a level. Well, I'll start there, Will. We saw the piece in USA Today, talked about you becoming a wine connoisseur. Did you ever get a piece written about you on a national level to the scale as a player as you did to the scale of this your your alter ego the NFL wine guy I mean I played in National Football League so every article was pretty much national Yeah but like I mean like a feature piece that went into you to the level that this I mean this was all about you Did you ever have a piece okay. written like I mean I don't know did you did you ever have a Sports Illustrated piece? Apologies that I don't know this. Do you ever have like a major magazine piece on you? Um, yeah, I have. Okay, I had a couple. Okay. Actually, also I had one in Canada too. Okay. <laughs> uh, what what? So what was the what was the piece about? You said a couple, a couple of magazine pieces. Like Sports Illustrated did a piece on you. No, Sports Illustrated did, did not do a piece on me. USA did they USA Today did they do a piece on you? One one about like my nutrition that was one of them. Okay, when you um, were still playing. Yeah. Uh, New York Times. No, a lot, so here's the thing: a lot of people don't don't know. Um, I don't know. I guess my journey or my story. You know, I get a lot of people saying you should write a book just about my whole career, what have you. But no, I haven't. I haven't talked to a lot of people that was like that would. Um, 
pretty much put it like this. I haven't shared it with anyone. Just my whole journey, what have you. Got it. It's worth a story. I'm a I'm a survivor of the NFL. Right. But no, it's not that serious to me. Okay. No, I was just curious. I I mean, I mean, I was. It was sort of a backhanded way of complimenting you that you're getting the shine that you are as the NFL wine guy. Well, the guy, well, Mike Jones, who wrote the piece, he pitched it, you know, and he asked me about it. And I was like, sure, you know, I said, you, at this time, I thought he was writing it for the athletics. So he came out here and was like, wanted to go to the wine shop. I was at wine exchange and, um, we hung out at the shop and he wrote about it. And then he told me a week later, like, Hey, I'm going to release this story tomorrow. I'm like, all right, no problem. Uh, he wanted to make a few, uh, edits and fact check a few things. And so I woke up the next morning and my phone was just going off. Yeah. I'm like, damn, dude, for this little little article in The Athletic, like, it's my, why are people hitting me up? Uh-huh. Come to find out. Yeah, exactly. Come to find out it was not The Athletic. Gotcha. It was USA Today. Gotcha. And, uh, no, it was, it was cool. Okay, so um, the Packers beat the Vikings. We'll, uh, and happy holidays to you and yours and all of our listeners out there. Uh, Packers beat the Vikings 23-10. This is obviously a huge game as far as their division is concerned, playoffs, etc. We saw what we saw from Aaron Rodgers did wasn't overwhelming. Uh, Their run game was great. Their defense was great. Kirk Cousins was underwhelming. We've had this conversation before, but I just wonder at this stage, when you look at Aaron, let's start there. Aaron, in his, on his best days, um, his peak, if that's a 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, where, where do you put Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback at this point? He's still a 10 to me. Real, no, but not a, a 10 as quarterbacks, a 10 for the ultimate Aaron Rodgers that we've seen. Are you saying that he's as good as he's ever been? I think so. I mean, because the when when we saw the ultimate like MVP candidate type of Aaron Rodgers, look who he was throwing to. True. He had Greg. He had Greg Jennings, Pro Bowler. He had Donald Driver, Pro Bowler. He had James Jones, who led the league. Jordy in, Nelson. Uh, what what touchdown receptions? Jordy Nelson, Pro Bowler. Uh, Jermichael Finley at the time was was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then Randall Cobb came in there. Uh, he had a, a plethora of guys, you know, to to throw to who he could make miraculous. Oh, at Jared Cook in there, he could make miraculous throws, put it in certain spots, and these guys will get it. You know, so, where now, where now he, you know, guys might not be open, guys may be covered, guys might, you know, do this, guys might won't be able to make these certain catches or understand, be on the same page as him mentally, you know, so. I think for what he's doing, you know, only throwing he, – he threw his third pick today mm-hmm. out of the whole season um, and to win a division with not a, a gorgeous roster on offense. Right. You know, you don't have Devontae Adams from part of, part of the season. Uh, obviously, big help is Aaron Jones has sure. emerged, uh, you know, has played fantastic uh, second in touchdowns. I think he's tied for first now with uh, Christian McCaffrey, but – yeah, I think for for he has done his job in terms of getting the new head coach and just and making it work. Speaking of which, what's the influence or the impact that you've seen of Matt Mafflor versus uh, 
versus Mike McCarthy? I think I think the time just ran its course with Mike McCarthy. Mike, Mike McCarthy's not a bad coach, man. I just think in, just in due time, they were just kind of over it, you know? He's interviewing, by the way, I think with the Carolina Panthers. What do you make of yeah, that? Yeah, he has. No, I, I mean, Mike belongs in the league. He's. I feel like there are more, um, a lot of coaches in, in the NFL that don't do a great job in terms of being a leader of men. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that deserve to be in the NFL, and Coach McCarthy is one of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I saw the piece that Tom Pelissori did on what Coach McCarthy where he has his own little uh, team that he's watching film with. I think Coach Haslam was in there who used to be with the Redskins. And they, they break down film. They create game plans and playbooks, and he's he's staying, he's staying at work. And um, at the end of the day, he was like, my family needs needs football. I need football. So. Right. Well, this is not a referendum on McCarthy. I'm just wondering, when you look at Green Bay, do you see the influence of LaFleur? And if so, what is it? I think LaFleur is just pulling out plays that work in Aaron Rodgers' favor. Like Such as? Whatever. Uh, just just getting the ball out quick in certain uh, quick routes. And he's also adapting the offense to the type of receivers they have. I feel like they are keeping it very, very simple hmm. um, in terms of making sure our guys know what to do or in the right spot. You know, so because at, at the end of the day, man, it's just as long as everyone's on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, like, then it's all good. Correct. And you if- can see some you can you can see some throws that are. Some some passes that are dropped and certain routes that are ran wrong, or if no one's open, I can you can see his frustration a little bit. Yeah. With Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's because he's so used to guys, like I said, like Greg Jennings, who just knew where to be. Donald Driver, knew Jordy Nelson, they knew where to be. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I I think of Randall Cobb too. He kind of did it uh, last night with that with Dak Prescott. There was that one drive where it was Randall Cobb nonstop. Right, he he just he knows how to work the 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 defense. Right. On the other side of the ledger, Kirk Cousins. Now he's a former teammate. Come of yours. on, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> you. It's funny because I think you've been honest about him, which isn't always easy when you're talking about a former oh, teammate. But I also have felt like you were rooting for Kirk to overcome. Uh, the the image or the reputation that he has. And obviously losing again on Monday night, he's never won on Monday night. I think I've made my feelings clear about, I think he's a, a huge success for a fifth round pick to be paid $30 million a year. But do I think that he's a $30 million a year quarterback? No, I think that was a mistake. He's a, he's a good, by the Vikings, he's by a good football player. He's a, he's a really good football player, but he's he's not elite. Right, exactly, and we saw because that at least that at least at least status is is more than just stats. Right, it's, it's key moment. That's why, like, this sounds blasphemous, but you know they're doing these top one hundred quarterbacks, yeah, or whatever it is, however many they pick. And I know Dan Marino's going to be in there. You don't think he but, deserves to be in there? Oh, he he does, he does. Okay, so what's I mean, blasphemous? Because I'm I'm, I'm I'm talking I'm talking about Dan the man. Yeah. What you the, know he has he has what he has what one MVP right. and no rings. Right. I, I don't know he had all the records. Yeah. This is the problem that I have with the the 100 greatest players ever. You can't compare the 60s 
to the 90s or the 2000s because it's going to go one of two way two ways you're either bringing in a guy from the 60s because you feel obligated to recognize that era and then he becomes sort of a token player and you're probably not doing justice to the number of guys in the 60s who were as good as that guy or close like you're picking one to represent and at the same time you're leaving somebody out of this era like a Charles Woodson for example that by all rights if you compared him to like if you go across the board how do you leave a Charles Woodson off I I, I just I just believe it's an exercise that does not work because you're comparing apples, oranges, and pears. The game, the, I mean, we've seen it in the NBA and the NFL. Look at the NFL, the way the game's played now versus 10 years ago. It's changed dramatically. The NBA changed dramatically. The, the number of teams that got 30% or more from their three-point shooting, from their three-point scoring, Five years ago, there were only two teams, the Warriors and the Rockets. This year, there are 13, nearly half the league. Now you're telling that, I mean, that changes the whole game. The way the NFL is played today with the protection that quarterbacks have changes the game. Well, even back then, linemen were like 220. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's they're it's they're totally different games. So to judge, you know, by position from era to era, you're you're gonna screw somebody over who's deserving to be recognized. Yeah, Charles Wilson got screwed. Yeah, friend of the program, but Kirk Cousins is not getting screwed. Kirk Cousins, <laughs> Kirk Cousins making thirty million a year. Kirk Cousins is doing okay, and I don't begrudge him. He that played, he's getting he played that it money. right, though. He played. He played it right. He kept signing yes, he that. Uh, that he kept signing that tag. Yep. And then when he when he became a free agent, he was the only guy available. Yep. No, I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming Kirk. I blame the Vikings. No, no, I know you're not. Or, think, or just the game. Well, no, but if the Viking, the Vikings, when you if you spend too much on any player on in, in any position on any in any sport. You're going to pay a price, especially in the sports that have salary caps. That's just the reality. You only have well, you so much what? to go around. Yeah, no, it, it was interesting when they went with him over Case Keenum. Yep. Because it's like, are you really getting that much of a yep. different quarterback? Yep. You know? Yep. Now, at least, at least they're in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, but that, come on. Where they were at least the, when no, they at signed. Least, at least. At least they're in the playoffs right now. Where did Keenum now, okay? take him? Keenum took him into the playoffs. No, no, no. And then I'm, not some. Compa- I'm not comparing. I'm saying at least like, you know, I, they're in the postseason right now. No, I get that. But what I'm saying is, you had a good enough team with Case Keenum to do this. The, did, the idea that you were Case signing Keenum. Cousins was he was going to take Case you. Anymore. He was going to take I'm you to a Super Bowl. I'm not talking about Case Keenum anymore. I'm just saying, like, despite I know Kurt's getting paid all this money. And what and what have you? At least they they still have a chance. You know what I'm saying? At least it's, they're they're in the postseason. It's not like he's getting paid all this and they're not in the playoffs. Okay, you know what I'm saying so. That's that falls under the heading of damning with faint praise. Sure. <laughs>
All right, so I want to get to one other, there's a couple other topics I want to get to. Marshawn Lynch is coming back for the Seahawks. Everybody's excited about the energy that he might create. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm wary of making too much of a deal about this. If Marshawn Lynch was in prime, not shape, but prime ability, I feel as if he's the one guy where he, maybe he wasn't playing. Maybe he, this was his plan all along. I don't want to play a whole season. I just want to come in. I want to come in at the end. I'll play some games. I'll play when it matters. But I, I, I almost get the sense that people think, oh, it's going to be beast mode and we're going to be back to that. And Chris Carson was so good. and He's out for the season now with a fractured hip. I, I don't know that beast mode is going to be better than Chris Carson. I, I don't. I feel as if people are playing this as if he's a able substitute or maybe even better. And I'm not buying that. Well, at the end of the day, Marshawn, can you get us four to five yards a pop? Yeah. No, he can't. At this stage, no, he can't. At what stage? He can't. He, he, because he wasn't doing that when we last saw him. He wasn't doing that with the Raiders. All right, and they got and they signed Robin Turbin too. Okay, so they pretty much got the 2013 backfield back together. <laughs> and what is it? It's 2019. We're six hey, years later. Okay. Are, are, are you you trying? See, you're trying to sell me the same thing everybody else is. I'm not. I'm not like hyped up and like crazy, but it's like they knew who they got. Yeah, they know what it is. Yeah, and they knew who they had. And they were willing the, to they ra- move they ra- on. He's more he's more reliable than if they go into the pool and like, hey, let's do that. But can you get us four to five yards apart? Marshawn no. averages four no, yards he can't. No, he in can't. his career. No, he can't. He averages he averaged four last year, four point two last year. Okay, he can. Did he really? You're out of your mind. Yes. Well, I gotta look. Here, here's here's the, here's the one attribute. That he pretty much averaged four yards when he was in Oakland. Four point three yards he averaged in Oakland. Here's the attribute that people do not understand: his vision and his footwork. He doesn't need to burst through and run a four three to get four to five yards. He sets up his blocks. He's more patient than most backs. Guys like Le'Veon Bell. Guys like Frank Gore. That's why Frank Gore's still playing. Yeah, no Frank's because impressive. Frank Gore. Frank Gore understands. How to set up his blocks? He so, has great feet. Is this so? If Frank Gore, if Frank Gore is out there getting it done still, Marshawn is definitely more than capable. Well, this is my caveat for Marshawn: is that guess what Frank Gore averages four point three. Guess what Marshawn averages in his career four point three. Career. Same type of runners. I'm, I'm talking, talking career. He only played six same, same games. Type. He only played six games last year. Okay, what about the year before that? I uh, played 15. 15. I'm not talking about the year before that. Okay, but still, that's his average. What? Yeah, but I feel as if... And that's I may all be, they need. I may be wrong on this. Can but, you run the offense, get four or five yards? Can you protect the QB? Can you catch the ball at the backfield? Yeah, Russell's going to make it happen. Russell can play with anybody, but you bring somebody back. And it's different. He's different. Ah. <sighs> I just every the last year, every year every year everyone's like oh Adrian Peterson don't know we're gonna get out of him boom he hit he takes you to the house for like eighty yards dude's the same age as my dad <laughs> gone 
Okay. I, I still, are you telling me he can be as good as, and now I got to look up Chris Carson's, because I don't know, I just, watching him run, Chris Carson brought something else to that, uh, to that offense. The other part is this, and this is the caveat for me. Like, so F- Frank wants to play and is going to play until the wheels fall off. I feel like Marshawn only wants to play in situations that he wants to play in. Like he was, he wouldn't go to Buffalo to play just to continue playing. If it's on the West Coast, if it's Seattle, if it's Oakland where he's from, okay, I'll play. I'm not just going to go. I'm not going to Jacksonville just to draw a paycheck and continue to run. I, I feel as if maybe that's why Marshawn wasn't in the league to this point. It was more by his choice than there was a lack of interest. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure that, you know there's been talk here and there, but of course, if you're going to come back, let it be a contender. You're not going to come back just to play. Right. So Carson averaging 4.4. So Marshawn has to average what he's been averaging in order to match what Carson Thank has. Thank you, and that's done easily. Done. I will. We'll see. Well, I, I just. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Maybe I'm being. I don't know. I might be being skeptical. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Um, are you, are you being, you're being okay, Boomer? <laughs> yeah, I, that's what exactly what I'm. That's exactly what I'm being. Well said. I. All right. I saved the best for last. Really curious about your take on this. Isaiah Thomas is getting flipped off by 76ers fans. This is what's unique. 76ers fans in 76ers jerseys. In Philadelphia, he's getting flipped off. And he goes up in the stands and he has a conversation with them about being respectful. There was no altercation, uh, but he did engage them. He was tossed from the game. He's now been giving a, given a two-game suspension on top of it. And the fans have been banned for a year from 76ers games. I'll just throw it wide open to you on this. How do you how do you feel? Do you think justice was served? In terms of him being suspended? In terms of the whole thing. Fans being kicked out for a year, can't come to a game for a I year. Think oh, the, and by the way, yeah. the Sixers fans' explanation was if he missed the two free, free throws, they got a free frosty. Right. No, I think the, the fan, yeah, should have been banned and suspended. For a year. For a year. For double birds. Out of there. For double birds. For double double birds. Absolutely. And Why? the reason is it's like it's like in traffic, you know, when people cut you off and think they're brave. So for example, I was in Hollywood the other day, right? I was uh-huh. actually in Sherman Oaks. I did uh, the radio show. And I'm driving to meet my buddy um, at his wine bar, Augustine Wine Bar it's called. And I'm I pull up to this lane, I'm trying to merge over, and this lady just flies by me and lays on her horn. Just I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know what? So I'm women do that. Listen, I've seen women do that more often than men lately. Listen, so I I, I continue to drive, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, guess what? 
We're side by side at a stoplight. Oh. <laughs> so I just I just happened to turn over and look. Yeah. Her eyes were straight the whole time. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to know part of Will Blackman. Look who's at the stoplight. Yes. So so all Honk of her speeding horn. all of her speeding didn't get her anywhere either. It didn't do anything. Yeah. We just end up side by side. You're going to land your horn and fly by me and stare me down like I did something wrong. And now look at us. Uh, Here we are. So you didn't do anything? You didn't like tap your horn a little bit? Just let her know? I, have to, just... I didn't have to. I thought my presence was enough. <laughs> but my point is that's how people are so brave, whether in their car or in the stands. They feel like okay. they're untouchable. Like nothing can happen. They can do whatever they want to do. Okay. So, so it, should she be banned from driving for a year? No, because we're in public. It's this is this is not a um, it's not a professional event. This is us in the streets of L.A. <laughs> Every man for himself. <laughs> Every man and woman. <laughs> uh, uh, look, they were trying to get fraud. Have you have you seen fans when they're giving anything away from free? It always blows my mind. People spend two hundred bucks on a ticket for a seat, and they're throwing a nine dollar T shirt into the stance and people are ready to like slug each other for that freaking free t-shirt i'm like you know what why not why not not spend the 200 bucks and you can buy yourself 10 of those t-shirts what's the deal 10 of them they don't want 10 t-shirts you know but this is my point though if you're spending 200 dollars on a ticket like what's the, the the extra like you you clearly have a few bucks. You have some disposable income. You really, the t-shirt is going to make you go nuts. And this is the same with the Frosties. It's human nature. I want to get the Frosty. People will act aberrant. I, I just, I can't help. A, a year seems to me excessive. And... I understand the the rule, as they called it in the release by the NBA, the bright line that players are not supposed to go into the stands. But I thought that the way Isaiah did it doesn't matter. Was doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? I think don't it matters. I think having don't these conversations. I think don't go in there. Period. His approach. Listen. So let's say so well, everything th- he did. Every everything he did at like ethic wise was right. He okay. approached him like a gentleman. Okay. He right. was professional about right. it. Right. Right. He did all those things. Right. And yes, he had talked like an adult. Right. All good. Violated as soon as he walked in the stands. Okay. Just then, based on the NBA, there's no there's, so here, there's no gray area. It's like don't go in there. So here's my period. thing. If he because doesn't, if he went if he went in there. And approach him like a man and talked to him like he did mm-hmm. as an adult and was calm. And if that dude just slugged him, yeah. whose fault is it? The rule uh, says it's the don't fans' go in fault. There. The rule says don't go in there. Yeah, you if can't. He, it, uh, yeah, but if you're going to go almost, up and you're having a civil conversation with somebody and they decide almost, to punch you, almost, it's your since, fault? Ever since the malice, like, it's like, okay, let's protect the fan and the player. So if Isaiah went in there and was like, hey, man. Like, what's your deal? Like, listen, you don't, you don't need to say this stuff. And if the dude just socked Isaiah. Here's the difficulty that I have. They would, and then the NBA would have been like, well, the rules say don't go in there. Here's the difficulty that I have. 
if Isaiah doesn't go into the stands, then those fans aren't banned for a year. You point them out. You can still point them out. Do you think that they, even if they were pointed out, they would have been banned for a year? Who knows? I think I know. It's the fact that we don't know. You the don't fact know. that it's the fact that you it's think you know means you don't know. That's right. We don't we don't know, which means there's no bright line when it comes to how the the the, the fans were handled. I for me it has to be one you way or the find other. It. You can you got video of the guy flipping the bird. You can find that. You know what? I bet you can find video if you really want to go that far. You can find video of a lot of people saying and doing a lot of things trying okay, to get but that I might frosty. Think is, and you might have got him. Like, do we have videotape of the people in the upper everybody. in the upper stance? We're not talking about everybody. We're talking about that one particular situation where Isaiah was like, "Hey, this dude right here is being disrespectful," as opposed to him going in the stands. I get that. I'm for him. I for I'm for him. Like I'm on Isaiah's side. Like I don't think he should have, but I'm just saying. Ever since the malice, they're like the rules are don't go in there, and if he was up there, it's like, yo, this dude's being absolutely unreal right now. Then people, then they would handle it. I feel as if there's a divide greater than ever before between players and fans. And by creating this false barrier, especially when it comes to basketball, because, look, football, you got to climb up into the stand. It's difficult to get there. Baseball, it's difficult to get there. There's natural separation between the fans and the athletes on the field. There's, you know, there's, there's, 20, 30 yards from the stands to the actual field. When it comes to basketball, it's a matter of feet between the fans and the court. It's wide open. It's easy access to guys fall into the stands, run up into the stands, you know, chasing a loose ball, a rebound, whatever. Happens all the time. I feel as if the relationship between fans and players has deteriorated and it's become a hate fest going both ways. The players are resentful of the of the fans, not just because of their behavior in the arenas, but because of social media and everything that they see and hear on Twitter and, and whatnot. And the flip side is fans are more emboldened to act in, in, in ways like this, that insulting, abrasive ways that they wouldn't if they... If they were going to be, if they realized that they could potentially be confronted the way Isaiah Thomas confronted this fan, so there's a part of me that appreciates that Isaiah was able to go up there in a manner and have a conversation and present himself to those fans as a human being and have them go, "I'm sorry, man. I was just trying to get a frosty," and then it makes the fan look like an idiot. Really. You're going to do all that to another human being just so you can get a free freaking Frosty. And so it, it bothers me that Isaiah is, okay, you know what? Throw him out for that game. But you're at like a two-game suspension. You're suspending him beyond this. Is, is, is The message almost is, we don't care what you do. That was bad all the way around. Now, if he... If he had gotten into a contentious argument or whatever, it got physical, total, I, I'm 100% there. 
But this wasn't the malice in the palace. This was the exact, it was the opposite of that. It was, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what you're doing. And I, I, I just have a hard I hear, time. I hear you. I have a hard time saying I, that's the wrong thing to do. I think there needs to be more of that between players nothing, and fans. There's nothing wrong with the confronting. It was just that don't go in the stands. Period. <sighs> don't go over there. All right. So how do we – so you point I, – I guarantee you this because I think we've seen Russ Westbrook do this. He points you know, out the fans. He points out the fans, and now he's a sensitive little bee because he's having okay. security then, take then care go of it. Go be a man and take that two game. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because it's interesting in the NFL. Like Marcus Peters last year confronted a fan in the stands. Yeah, he said, "Talk that bleep yeah. now." Yeah. And but that's different. Happened. That's different. No, 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 no. He went to stands and, and it went after, but nothing happened. However, this year, he does the Lambo leap and, and shotguns a beer <laughs> and gets hit with 14 grand. <laughs> you think that's right? <laughs> no. Okay. So? I just think it's interesting. So you think that that's... That's not fair, but the punishment for Isaiah Thomas is fair. I don't think it's fair at all. I'm just saying I, I see why they did it. I don't think he should have been suspended at all. At all. I think, I think what he did was very professional. And he said like, he went up there and talked to the guy, wasn't over there being all extra and dramatic and angry and hostile. right. right. I like what he did, and I don't think he should have been suspended, but I see why he was suspended. You know, maybe maybe I just I just realized it just flashed on me. So I was on ESPN radio. You can find it in my uh I think you can still find it in my, my Wikipedia on my Wikipedia page. It was You got a Wikipedia? Oh seven, oh eight. And I was on Scott Van Felt's radio show. ESPN radio. And he asked me about jazz fans. And I said, they're the most vicious. And it, and it, and it struck me cause I had just been there and I got picked up. I was a, I think it was a shuttle to the hotel. And the guy, the guy driving was like so friendly and smiling and welcoming and then i got to the hotel and they were friendly and smiling and welcoming like over the top like just like wow this is like you know i mean people there's there's hospitality and then there's being like hey we're so happy to see you and i felt like that's what i was getting and then i went to the game and people are saying the most vicious rude (laughs) i mean just i mean and racist stuff i just it was really really ugly ugly stuff and i did a radio hit shortly thereafter and i said i I don't know what it is but but you know they're they're friendly and then they see they it's like they go into the arena and the mistake i made is i didn't say jazz fans i said mormons um and while you know jazz fans may be 70 80 percent mormon the fact is Painting it in a religious view was my mistake, and I owned up to it. 
Should have said jazz fans. But I, I basically said, you know, this is their one opportunity to be, they're, they're nice all the time. And then this is their one opportunity to be really rude and vicious and they don't miss out on it. And uh, I, got, I got a lot of blowback for that, including every time subsequent I would go to Utah to Salt Lake and I would go to a game. And I was there doing, I don't know if I was doing sideline or I was just reporting, but I was there and I was standing courtside and there was two guys up in the stands and they were just screaming at me, letting me have it um, about, you know, I hate Mormons and et cetera, et cetera, Buker, da, 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 da. So I walked over to the stands and I called them down and I said, guys, what's up? I go, I apologize for that. I'm not going to take back. I mean, you're kind of proving my point in terms of how vicious you guys can be. I go, but it's not personal for me. It's my observation. And I apologized for the Mormon comment. So like, if you guys have an issue with me, let's talk about it. But you screaming from the stands and telling me, you know, you started um, it. I'm this terrible person. You started I, I, I may have, but this ain't solving it. Them yelling from there down even, to me is not solving it. That's not, that's not even the same situation, Rick. Well, it's not the same situation, but I'm saying my reason for telling that story is that's what makes me sensitive to what Isaiah Thomas did. Because I feel like Isaiah Thomas, and look, for me, my blood was boiling when these guys are yelling at me. Like, I want to go back at them. But I thought, you know what? That's not going to resolve this. So let me... Yeah, especially when you, especially when you started it. <laughs> You're just not going to let go of that, are you? Just not going to let go but of that. But you did. I did, and I apologized for it. And so what? We can't move on? Uh, that's my. No. That's going to be my scarlet letter for they the rest of my life? They couldn't wait to see you. Are you kidding me? You're right. I could not wait to see yeah. you after what you what you said. <laughs> Apology or not, they were like, "Where is Rick Buecher? We're gonna let him have it." Right. That's exactly what happened. Right. You kidding me? And so, you, unless, that, unless you so that's all. What, the you think the, I had it coming? Here's unless you walked into the middle of the court with the microphone, was like, "Listen, my fellow Mormons, I sincerely apologize. Please forgive me." No. Because not everyone heard your apology. They heard that, and they probably clicked the radio right off. No, it was, it was a national like, statement. We, we put out a press release. It was... going to light him up. Uh, Still going to get lit up. You're being facetious now. We're going to leave it at that. You know what? You're ruining my holiday spirit now. I What's want goodwill. Goodwill to men. You shouldn't let anybody ruin your holiday spirit. I remember when I was with my aunt, and I was like, man, that person bugs me. She was like, why do they bug you? I was like, no, something about their energy. She goes, did they do anything directly to you? It's like, no. So why do they bug you? You, sh- you shouldn't let anybody ruin your spirit. Okay. So I'm going to take what my aunt said and tell you, don't let me bug you. Don't let me ruin your don't holiday Don't let you spirit. ruin my spirit. That's what oh. you're telling me. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Done. Done. I'm taking, your, I take, I'm taking your aunt's advice. I'm not letting you ruin, ruin my spirit. I'm going to have it. I'm going to have a great, I'm going to have a great Christmas. You already already let me ruin it. So hammer turkey, by the way. Nope. Uh, Turkey. All All the way. Actually, you know what we had tonight? Because we're, we're West coast. We had crab. We got like a dozen huge. I just had West coast. Crabs. 
because um, I don't know. The season just started right here. I don't know if the season started back on the East Coast. Did it? Is this? Is this? Scallop. We're doing scallops tomorrow. Ooh, that's nice. But it, what's the crab season in Rhode Island? No idea. It's always crab season. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but I don't. I don't know any better. So you may be right. All right. We just we just dry freeze all the good stuff. Oh, you can't do that. No, dude. Dry freezing. Stop. Okay. The NFL wine guy is in his cups right now, so we're gonna let him go and enjoy <laughs> the holiday. Uh, all right, that does it for this episode of Buker and Blackman. Uh, if you are enjoying the show, or even if you aren't, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us a screenshot of that review to at Buker Friends, and you'll be eligible to win some prizes. Uh, I, w- I do want to say on behalf of Will and myself, uh, we're really appreciative of all of you guys out there listening uh, on a weekly basis. We appreciate the support. We've got some big and bitter things happening in 2020. Uh, we'll, we'll have a couple more podcasts before we turn into uh, the first of the year. But this is probably the last time Will and I are going to be doing one in 2019. So we wish you all a safe and happy holiday. You have anything, Will, for our listeners out there? You have a, a, any message of, of good will or good tidings? I don't. <laughs> okay, there you have it. So it's it's basically my favorite, me my speaking favorite on Christmas movie is The Grinch. Therefore, I don't. Okay, there you go. That's Will Blackman. All right. As always, in the meantime, thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.